if there is an idea, people are going to interpret it weirdly because they don't know what it is. Yeah. You have to give them time to learn about it and give them time to feel connected to it. It's not going to come like that out the gate, but just don't be nervous because some person that was, you know, 60 years old, they're like, I wish I could have did this. You could mm. do it at your time. Be like, I'm glad I did it and go from there. Hey everyone, this is Amber Key, and you're listening to a Bright Idea Podcast, a show where we sit down with entrepreneurs to hear about the aha moment that launched their businesses. On today's episode, we're joined by Terrence Diggs, a Baltimore-area designer, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and all-around creative. He's most notably making his mark as creative director of the streetwear and lifestyle brand, D17. Founded in 2016, the Towson University graduate has used his combined passion for athletics and design to create a diverse portfolio of designs for Maryland creatives and brands. He's partnered with several athletic teams in the Maryland area, as well as worked with ASICs on global social media campaigns such as the 2020 Olympics, BAPE, and Denim Tears, to name a few. D17 is more than just a clothing brand. It focuses on three pillars— athletics, design, and community. Through his apparel line, D17 also advocates for both local and youth sports in the Maryland, Virginia area. Terrence's success begins with his consistency and also the art of the cold call. Throughout this episode, you'll hear how Terrence bootstrapped his company by cold emails, sending free gear to prospects, and the tried and true sliding in the DMs. So first, before we get in it, into it, I was like doing research on D17. I was doing a little bit of research just about you in general. And I noticed a constant like three pillars on all of your branding, which was athletics, design, and community. And like, what do those words sort of mean to the mis- the mission of D17? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it was my way over time of just building everything to kind of hone it down into these three kind of activations, obviously athletics being the kind of main focus that this is where we're trying to make our stamp. This is where a lot of our, uh, you know, designs, where a lot of aspects of the of the community as well kind of breaks down into those main things. Um, obviously, like you said, being former athletes, we all know what it's like to be around those type of people, what it's like to go through those treaches and journeys of training and off seasons or like being able to kind of stay super disciplined. That's where the athletic part comes in. And the number 17 was my number when I played sports. So that's kind of where that piece came in. Um, the design part also plays into like being able to create solutions for whether it is for new product, whether it is for the communities that we're servicing, how can we kind of design and innovate and be able to help in a way that seems unique, but it's still providing a benefit to both sides. And then community obviously is the actual in-person real activations of everything, whether that is the run club, any events that we do. Um, being able to compete in the races, that's where our community kind of stands forth and comes about. Um, whether that is in athletics, it could be in music, it could be in art, it could be, um, shout out to my friend Alpha, he's actually having an art reception um, I'm supposed to go to in two days. Um, he actually put 
like a hidden D17 motif in one of his, he's a, a charcoal portrait artist. That's and so he put cool. he put D17 in one of the pieces. I won't say which one so people can go see it. Um, and he always talked about like, yeah, like this is one of the things that really push the dream and the mission, not only for like creatives, but creatives of color, athletes of color um, to inhabit these spaces in tech, science, media, education, um, and going from there. So it's kind of like all the roles that I've slowly pulled from in life. And now it's coming together into its own ecosystem. And mm -hmm. here we are, you know, I'm seven years in now. So, and I read that, um, you know, growing up in Maryland, you, like you had mentioned, you played a lot of sports growing up. What sports did you play? Oh, geez. Let's get the handout. <laughs> I, I played basketball for a long time. I played tennis. I played golf varsity all years in high school. I played lacrosse, kind of both in high school and a little bit in college. I ran track. Um, I played kickball as an adult. I played soccer as an adult. And now I'm in pickleball. So I guess that's like eight sports. If there was like a decathlon of just random adult hobbies. And I run now. That's nine. What is it about sports or athletics that like, like why have you played so many sports? So like what is, what's the draw? Honestly, I feel like sometimes my attention just keeps moving on to different things. Um, obviously, I played like the main three when I was a kid. But now being an adult, I think I'm just so I miss so much like being with my teammates. And like we mentioned before, having that discipline and 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 training and having goals and stuff like that. It, I really miss kind of having that structure, um, being able to hit those goals and have new teammates. And we're all hitting goals and celebrating and kind of getting that same community that we had together when we were younger. Obviously yeah. it didn't cost as much money because my parents funded it, but now I have to fund it myself. Um, I just love being able to stay fit and put a score behind something and working together and feeling that sense of just competition, not saying like, oh, I can be better than this person, but being able to just to have that fun and that spark now, like as an adult, obviously, you know, I have every massage gun and Epsom salt <laughs> bath now before I could do three games and not feel a thing. But um, even that I'm like, yes, I've missed that feeling of being sore. <laughs> like after yeah. two games, um, it's just kind of stuck in my DNA. And now it's on half the clothes I wear. Now, no, so. no, I think it's so important to uh, remain active as an adult. And there's something to be said for still participating in sports, like team sports, individual sports as an adult, not just for, like you said, the discipline piece of it, but also just like to have like some play. Like, I feel like as a kid, as an adult, we don't play anymore. Like just to feel like a child again, that you could just like run around and like have fun. I think that that's so cool that you're still doing that. Oh yeah, that's definitely me. And it, and it definitely ties into the brand as well. Obviously yeah. with like some of the things that we're designing or creating, uh, honestly, people be like, you know, why would you do that? I'm like, if I was a kid, I would have loved to have this or if I was in high school I would have loved to have this or this jacket or this t-shirt I'm like being able I think now keeping that sense of like playfulness and kind of youthful whimsical wonder mm -hmm. is honestly what keeps me going in a lot of this stuff what I really like about your story actually is that you are an athlete but you're also an artist and so I know that you went to Towson um, and studied digital media. Is that correct? It was like digital art and design. 
Okay. Like it was like it was digital media, but there was like other artistic pieces and stuff too. It was still really early for the program when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, which was cool. I wish I thought I had a Towson shirt on. I was looking at myself in the camera, but it's not. <laughs> Um, no, but I what I like about that, it's so unique because usually um the arts and athletics don't cross one another. But like your your sort of background is is like the perfect mix of that too, of the both of those. So I was just wondering like what kinds of ideas um did you get from you know being in that environment at Towson? Like what, what sort of ideas did did you absorb from like your studies working in like the arts? Yeah, it definitely, looking back, and, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people know these other mini tidbits. So my homie, his name is Kasim. He was a he was a business major, but he did music on the side. And um, I was always his like marketing guy at the time, because it was so difficult to get Photoshop at that time. Like, I think this is right around like... <laughs> I'm dating myself. It was like CS6 was, you know, the version that was out at the time. You had to get the product key to get it. And um, I had it. A a friend of mine, he was a film major. He gave me one of the keys for, shout out to Kyrie, $20 and a chicken box from Stokos. He gave me the key (laughs) and I I was, you know, using that software to make cover arts and posters and, um, you know, any design, we were doing stage design, we were doing a whole bunch of stuff. So at that time, it was like super innovative, you know, we were able to pump stuff out and get it printed. And since I was an art major, we had access to like a private computer lab, as well as a print studio. That's where a lot of that came from. And honestly, being able to be so close to Baltimore, it's been, you know, the the community there is so lively and and together that, you know, you can go to class and then get on the bus and go to artscape later in the Mm -hmm. afternoon and still get back home um, in time for dinner or be able to go and meet up with other artists that are coming up to like the Towson um, Arts Historical Society. You can go to the Walters Museum. You can go to the BMA and see that stuff in real time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm so trained not only in design, but the history as well. So I'm able to know where to pull these motifs from, whether it is, you know, art deco, you know, print designs and typefaces or being able to pull from a Wu-Tang poster that we're, we saw online or we, you know, went to a library and, and we're, you know, I'm tearing pages out of books, not not the ones at the school, but like tearing pages <laughs> out of books that I bought and like, like, okay, we can pull from this, we can pull from this and piece that together. So being that bridge, and I think Towson really allowed me to do that, not only from you know, doing stuff like that, because I even just told one of my professors like two days ago, um, he was my design professor and I was doing client work in class. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously it's like, oh, we're going to be exploring typefaces today. I'm like, wow, good thing I have a, like 37 of them in this hard drive that I've already done for the last three weeks on like nine other projects or, oh, we're going to be doing, uh, you know, advanced printmaking. And it's like, ha, good thing I've already printed uh, 300 posters for this event that I'm doing for homecoming yeah. in two days. So it kind of played both ends. And I was able not only to meet so many people, but also be able to expand my own talents in a way that was cool, but also was efficient. Because I tell people I wasn't, I was never a marketing major. Yeah. I only went 
only reason I got into marketing was I went to the marketing club meeting and I just kept going every week. That's how I learned how to do marketing. I don't have a degree in marketing. I have certifications now, but for the good, probably like three years of my career, I didn't know nothing. I just knew how to post and make stuff. I didn't know about all the other strategies and systems and all that stuff. I just went to the marketing meeting that was in uh, the business building. I just went every Thursday at 5.30. Was there a specific aha moment that led you to launch this? Or like, what was what was the moment that you were like, okay, I'm going to make this a business? Yeah, so I think there's two parts to it. And I'll keep it short. The first part, actually going back to that professor that I was doing client work in class for, um, <laughs> Professor Myers. Once again, I just messaged him on LinkedIn because I found I found the original uh, product, I guess, spreadsheet, like my first ever collection that I did. Mm. Um, so basically... I had already been around a lot of people that were making streetwear in Baltimore or DC. And I just seen, you know, you go to, I, I would go out a lot, you know, you go to parties, you see shirts or you see groups of guys wearing like the same hat or something like that. You're like, Oh, that's this brand. You know, this is this brand. You know, it's a DC, whatever. And um, professor Myers, our senior project, he did a, uh, event so it was like shark tank right so basically you know you come with a business you have to you know present it to you know investors stuff but this was a fake one it was just whatever and mine was a clothing brand and he gave us his random name he was like your brand is going to be called eternal number and mm -hmm. that's what it was and we sat down and we put together you know i had to make a shirt you know i went to michael's and bought the cheapest t-shirt because i only had like $30 by the cheapest t-shirt and like, you know, the print, uh, iron on graphic. I made this golden and black graphic on like a red t-shirt. Um, I made a couple other colorways. I got a hat from Vista print. I made a whole bunch of stickers and put it together. And I put out this whole product listing sheet, like, okay, this is the first T, you know, it's called magma red, which is big. Cause I love power Rangers. So they're obviously they're all power Ranger theme. It's magma <laughs> red, you know, it had a, sustainable cotton uh you know gold and black uh front graphic stuff like that i wrote it I, I wish i brought it but i have it still crumpled up and disgusting and um i presented it i did well in the project and a whole bunch of people are like yo is that, is that like a real brand or something like what is this eternal number i'm like no it's just for the project like i still got like all these stickers if you want them just take them so i gave out probably 150 stickers with this golden infinity sign pattern I made because it was eternal number and it was infinity and you know mm -hmm. that stuff en in the middle and um my professor came up to me this was probably the last week of class and he goes I don't know what you did with this stuff but you should definitely pursue this I think this is something that you could do in a way that's beneficial it's fun it looks cool I think you got like that quote unquote cool guy aesthetic you know I'm not I'm not too bombastic but I'm, I kind of just sit in the back and just watch and but I can put out stuff and watch it reverberate mm. and that's when I just I just randomly was sitting in my apartment with my roommate and I was like yeah this I think I'm gonna start a brand and 
We're just gonna see what happens. It literally was like two days before graduating, and I had the D17. It was this same logo. I did it, whatever. I hate the box now, but I had the the word mark, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna go with it. Then that summer, I printed out some t-shirts and did a shoot with my friends, and I'm like, let's just see what happens. And I got all this reception from it. And I was like, okay, this is crazy. I didn't expect this many people to want to be able to be a part of this. I just made the t-shirt. Like, where's mine? Like, what is this? And, you know, obviously you start making the socials, the Instagram, the Twitters, the Facebooks. And then um, after that, I just felt there was a, there was a lane for me that I had to slowly make, but it mm -hmm. took a lot of learning in terms of like, I didn't want to be just another clothing brand. There was, there was no athletics part with it. It was just, you know, logo on shirts and stuff, but I wanted to be able to kind of take it that step further. And that's where my professional uh, expertise kind of came in. Like, okay, I need to have activations. I need to be able to be recognizable. I need to be able to be, you know, search engine optimized. I need to be yeah. able to create content that tells those stories, not just, hey, I got a dope t-shirt, buy it. It's like, hey, here's what we're doing for athletes. Here's what we're doing for runners. Here's what we're doing for the high school, here's what we're doing for the college, here's what we're doing for women's entrepreneurship, here's mm -hmm. what we're doing for uh, semi-professional soccer programs to help alleviate and open up the pathway of professionalism for professional or uh, growing soccer players. All that had to come later on. And then once I was able to, you know, get the business tied up and you know, get the LLCs, obviously trademarks, stuff like that. I wanted right. to make sure that I was so together and protected that when this thing started to kick up, when bigger businesses come to me, I have the ability to kind of have those conversations mm -hmm. and it's not weird and they don't feel turned off by me because the team's so small. And that's like one of the things that I'm at now in terms of the business. It's, I feel like a small business, but sometimes I feel like I'm like mid-level it's sometimes I don't have the books to be mid-level, but obviously some of the connections and people that I've met, I'm like, I've already done so much, but if I can get one more click forward, I think I'll just start skyrocketing. Like when you first started your, your brand, were you just like, this is just going to be my t-shirt line? Yeah. When I first started, I was just like, we're just, I'm just going to make cool t-shirts that people wear. That was the first like inclination. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I had a friend, her name is Marley. She wore one of the shirts to the gym. And originally my brand was supposed to be like an off-white Balenciaga, you know, kind of supreme babe. Like, I want to be like that. Yeah. Like Wasn't a high end, like streetwear, sportswear type of brand. Yeah, I okay. was real. I was real under the 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 hype. I w I wanted to be like a hype brand, like you yeah, know, all, all that stuff. She wore the shirt to the gym. I was so confused. I said, "Why are you wearing it to the gym? It's not made for the gym. It's meant to wear like at a party or you know at a nice outfit going out or something like that." And she said, "Oh, you know, I thought it was a gym shirt, and it's so comfortable and nice. I you know it felt good to me." And sometimes I feel like as, as a founder, you have to look back at yourself and really kind of understand like, okay, my DNA has always been in sports. My DNA mm -hmm. has always been in athletics. My DNA has always been in health and fitness that 
there is someone that saw the logo, they interpreted it that way and put it to the use that they felt it was made for. Obviously, at the time, I was trying to push the narrative of, oh, we're, you know, going to be this high end, whatever. And sometimes, you know, as a business owner, you have to make those pivots in a way that it feels natural, but it also makes sense. Yeah. In my mind, it made a lot of sense, but I'm the type of person that, especially with the business, I don't want to just start making athletic stuff, but it's not helping athletes. I don't, I don't want to be just another athletics brand. I'm not Nike. I'm not, a, I'm not Adidas. I'm not Under Armour. I'm not, you know, one of those brands because they're obviously the giants of, of the business and, and we respect them and, and give them praise. But I figured out in my lane, I, I really have a great understanding of grassroots. I have a really great understanding of helping youth athletes. And I have a really great understanding of, of providing those of the pillars of the brand, those design solutions, yeah. which ended up making D17 Athletics, which is all of our sponsorships, which is from running to youth soccer to semi-professional soccer to the pickleball. Um, being able, we provide kit sponsorships, we provide design solutions for kit creation, we provide solutions for obviously advertising and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that's to me where I felt it kicked on like, okay, there's athletics where, but there's also athletics being interpreted on the field, off the field, players are enjoying it, former athletes are enjoying it. Um, which then laddered up to the whole brand, like, okay, yeah. we can really start looking at sports like, okay, we could have came out doing basketball, but it's not going to work. The running stuff, it was, it was an avenue that there's no, there's not a lot of black owned running brands. Yeah. There's a lot of black runners, but not a lot of black owned running brands. There's not a lot of colored uh, pickleball players and there's not a lot of, uh, soccer teams that sustain with a with an owner of color. So mm -hmm. I kind of filled that role in a way, um, mm -hmm. which when it came back to putting it together with the business, it's like, okay, a team can come to me now and I can provide them a solution, whether it's monetary, gift stuff, whatever. Because um, sometimes they just need small things and I'm able to kind of bridge that gap for them. Yeah. Uh, whether it is a kit sponsorship, whether it is, you know, designing t-shirts for a championship run, it could be the running uh, club being able to help nonprofits get, you know, people in the door to understand, you know, this is how we bring in additional runners and participants. Cause I have 160 runners under my, uh, the run club already. So, yeah. so for the listeners to be clear, D17 clothing is the clothing brand. And then mm -hmm. D17 athletics is your brand that your community brand, like how you um, work with different sports teams in like partnerships and sponsorships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's kind of the athletics, the D17 main brand is a design and then the run club is the community. So they all live under the same thing and they all mix and match and intertwine together. Yeah. But like, but like anytime you see one of our kit sponsorships, it says D17 athletics. Um, or like the the partnership that we just did with the Bowie Bay Sox, it says D17 Athletics. So that's kind of just like our side thing because I feel like a lot of other brands have that, okay, there's this, then there's the athletics part. But yeah, I just thought it was cool. I didn't want D17 Sports. That sound, sounded stupid. I, I, athletics to me sounded more elegant, free-flowing in. How were you able to carve that lane for yourself being somebody 
you know, with a clothing brand? How were you able to go to these teams and and offer this type of service? Um, honestly, it took a lot of community building. Um, shout out to Columbia FC. They were the first ones that really got me in the door to making that happen. Um, it, it just, the owner went to, we went to the same high school. He's a little older than me, but once again, any anything I'm on, I'm a real cold caller. I just yeah. DM'd him on Instagram. I said, you guys <laughs> looking for kit sponsors? And he's like, uh, yeah. So I went out to the team. I went to, I went to practice and I met with the, the, the board and the coach. And I was like, Hey, like, I, I don't know how much I can give you, but I can give you something to you just put my logo on your Jersey mm-hmm. and being able to kind of do that once he did it. And then other people started doing it over time, the community starts to talk and they see those other logos. Then like, okay, who's that guy? He makes yeah. cool stuff. And it's like, it kind of rolls down into more things. So just for the listeners like who what teams are you uh and sports programs are you currently working with oh geez all right let's name them uh columbia fc they're part of the epsl which is the eastern premier league soccer district rain i think they're in the upsl they're a team in washington dc they're more u23 um at uh, athletic united fc they recently came into the fold um, but we're a kit sponsor for them. Frederick Skyline FC. They're a we're a website sponsor for them, but they're in Frederick, Maryland. That's the four teams already. Mm. Uh, Chasing Roses Running Club. We did a collaboration with them for the Portland Marathon. Obviously, I have my own run club. Um, <laughs> D17 running. We just finished every race you can possibly do. And now, now I can officially put on the product. Because shout out to my friend, John, he ran almost a sub four hour marathon. It's now marathon tested in the rain, 50 degrees. Um, As well, obviously, we sponsored with the Bowie Bay Sox. um, And on kind of the community side, we sponsor a women's entrepreneurship hub called The Third. It's located at the Columbia Lakefront. Um, Basically, it's just a hub for uh, women entrepreneurs of color to be able to have access to resources for their businesses, whether it's. LLC formation, trademark information, uh, tax information, mm-hmm. um, or DTC or e-commerce stuff. So they they host usually in the spring and the summer. They host like pop ups, you know, for free for people to come and showcase product, whether it's food and beverage or um, textiles, clothing. No, that's awesome. I want to go by saying that the reason this episode is even happening right now is because you reached out to me via email. And set, we set up an introductory call. And so I guess like kind of this theme that you have when we're talking is that you really do put yourself out there. And I feel like you are like the master of like cold calling. So like, how do you mm-hmm. think cold calling and like putting yourself out there has contributed to like where your business is now? Oh, geez. <laughs> I, I I just do so much. And with me, Uh, yeah it is cold calling but um this kind of goes back way to my upbringing um I used to work for a nonprofit tech firm and they put me I wasn't in marketing they put me in sales I was in this I was in the sales department doing marketing for the sales team Mm. so I would always hear them is all day out hey how are you doing this is you know blankety blank with that I love to 
dang it. Oh, hey, this is like, so I would hear them all day. And I realized <laughs> that's where I picked that up from. Yeah. Um, was hearing them doing these calls. There was the warm leads. Obviously, I'm in Salesforce. Like I'm the marketing guy. I'm like categorizing warm leads, soft leads, hard leads, cold leads, lukewarm leads, hot leads, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but I'm at the point, like if you meet me, I'm real, not quiet, but I kind of just like chill back and whatever. You'd have never thought that. I've I've DM'd all these people or brands or manufacturers because I tell myself this and anybody listening, I am not famous. I don't have huge, I don't know anybody on the Ravens or I don't have a secret, like I don't have those connections. So I have to go make them. And I don't live in a, I don't, I'm not in New York. I'm not in LA. So I have to find those connections. Mm-hmm. So not only do I have to make them, I have to nurture them and I have to find them. Do you ever get scared to um, like talk to people? In real life? Nah, I, I saw Kevin Plank in Columbia Mall one time and I told him, hey, man, what are, what are you doing? I, I work for ASICS. I need to come work for Under Armour. I told him to his face. Like, <laughs> like sometimes I, I, I get in this mode that it's just like I fear nothing but myself. Yeah. And have you always been like that? Like, how would your your friends describe you? They would just say I'm like real, I'm like real cool. I don't I don't like to stand out, but I wear some stuff that's, you know, eye catching sometimes, it's like a real subtle flex thing. And I think a lot of people understand that I come from a a, a position that's actually very empathetic. Um, and I learned that when I was at Towson being an RA, like just helping people and understanding, you know, different people's backgrounds. And I grew up obviously uh in Howard County and so diverse and just um, you just deal with so many people that I think when I make those connections and I make those, you know, messages and emails and calls, people feel like, you know, he seems like he really has something going and I'd love to help him. And I'm not ever looking for anything back. Like, you know, if I send out a t-shirt, I'm not like, oh, you need to do this, 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 I, you know, I would love it. But um, in a way it just, it just helps building that community. Like I said, now I'm able to reach out to those bigger organizations or teams. Now they still see me as kind of small, but I'm like, Hey, I might not be able to do this for you, but I can mm-hmm. do this for you because it, it's still a piece of value that has to be traded. And I've learned where my value is not only as the brand, but my personal brand as well, just me Yeah, and tying that into it. So obviously, yeah, I'll sell some t-shirts, but you know, I might go to a fashion show and, you know, they might say, oh, no one, I didn't think anybody was going to come. And I'm like, hey, well, I showed up, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's whatever. Or if it's a, a game or, you know, any of the teams I sponsor, I go to almost every game. Um, I'm on the sideline screaming and cheering. At, you know, I, I'll take pictures and you know, I ask the coach, I'm like, you need me to take pictures or something or you want me to set up the field or something like that. They're like, wow, we thought you were just going to, just sit up there and not say nothing. I'm like, no, I'd like to be, you know, intertwined with stuff. I like to be able to, to, to have that connection with, you know, players and teams and stuff like that. And yeah. now when it comes to my cold calling, I've, I've fired anything. Like I've, I've sent stuff to people I probably shouldn't be working with. I've sent stuff to people that I should be working with. And that's how I got on complex magazine. I just saw the guy, his name's Rax. Shout out to Rax. He's dope. Um, I always watched him on YouTube. He, he used to do, uh, those like supreme drops in new york like off the line it's like out the door and you know interview people and stuff like that 
Mm-hmm. So I've always known who he was. Followed him on Instagram, right? This is this is this is a gem, people. Follow this. Followed him on Instagram, <laughs> right? Rax works at Complex. I don't know how to get to Complex, but Rax has a homie who owns a business. You know, I've worked with the business to make t-shirts. Mm-hmm. So hey, you know, I love the the stuff you guys made. Like I love to send you a thank you gift. Make it, but I want to send it to Rax though. So, <laughs> so I sent it to Rax. Rax was working on a TV show called The Mail Room. And basically he's, you know, the word got out like, oh, streetwear brands, you know, send me your stuff and we'll put you on the show. So I jumped on Rax's Instagram live. And I, so this is a, this is a lot of steps to my cold call. Yeah. And I, put in the I said, yo, I sent you a box. I sent you a box. It's this big red D17 box that I wrote on it, hand wrote. This is for Rax, straight to the mailroom from your favorite designer, Terrence. And I signed it. Here we go. Now this is dope. I'm gonna keep this box. It says from Terrence, creative director, enjoy D17, Columbia, Maryland. All right, let's get it out of here. Let's get that out of here. Let's get that out of here. Oh, ah, that's cool. Oh my. Go do some jogging. Yogging. Yogging. We got some beanies here. Black art drives culture. Ain't that the truth? The people are out there. I just got to get to them. Yeah. And they're going from there. So. Yeah, no, I think it's bigger than, um, you know, when people start a business, they may think that just marketing on Instagram and creating cool like content is going to get people to come through the door. But like what you're talking about is like really bootstrapping and like going out and putting yourself out there and like. I feel like just your story, you've gotten so, I mean, I know that you've also had this business for quite some time now, but you really have reached like some pretty well-known people just because you like slid in the DMs, which is what you got to do. I'm a prime (laughs) DM slider for the professional (laughs) game. Do you make the most money off of um, just your your um, clothing individually or the sponsorships that you do? It's a it's a mix of both. Um, that's definitely where I'm at now. Like I have to revise the business plan, and which is what I've been doing the last like year and a half. Because um, at the end of the day, I tell people shirts are cool, but you still got to make money because mm-hmm. the money helps make more shirts and more sponsorships and more opportunity. Um, I'm at the point now where I have to make more stuff. I can't keep making 60 t-shirts or 70. I need to start making like 200, but then 200 t-shirts means, you know, seven boxes versus three. I need more space. The volume is slowly, I got to make more. I got to make more for more places for more people Mm -hmm. still in a way that's sustainable. I just don't want to make a bunch of waste. Yeah. Um, and and that's another thing I'm trying to worry about is is where it's being made, what's in it, what dyes are we using, what yarns and fabrics, where is it being taken from? You know, if you if you're a, a cotton mill in North Carolina, are you guys doing ways to replant, you know, the plants? Are you doing that stuff to keep it together to be reusable? And even now I've been taking old pieces and sending them off um, to a designer in New York. And he's been turning them into running hats. So he's been taking the windbreakers, cutting oh. them down and upcycling them into hats and stuff. And then I'm supposed to be working 
soon with a organization called Leveling the Playing Field. Um, and what they do is they take donations for athletic equipment for youth athletes. So when we eventually start having more of our running events, we'll have the big box where people can bring gently used shoes or things from any sport and donate them to any of the athletes, youth athletes, um, to help them in any specific city. Right now, we're looking more at Baltimore and DC. Luckily enough, I was privileged. I was privileged enough to play golf. You know, my parents were able to get me clubs. That's an expensive sport. Yeah. Lacrosse, being able, I have helmets, sticks, you know, at 16, I, that's $500 worth of gear, you yeah. know, and uh, running track, spikes aren't cheap, spikes come and go. Like, l- luckily, I've been able to be awarded that um, in my childhood, but not everybody can get that same kind of opportunity. If I can help kind of bridge that gap, um, that's where I kind of want to take it. What's next for D17? Oh, man. So pickleball stuff. I'm excited. I'm working with a couple of pickleball companies to uh, make paddles and apparel. It's going to be sick. Um, more running stuff. I think we're going to really take that focus more um, and being able to provide a larger product line for the running stuff. Right now, it's just bottles and hats. Um, I'd love to be able to make uniforms for those race season uh runners like tanks uh tight socks stuff of that nature um and also just more fun stuff i i need i need to get one fun project off to keep myself together Mm. um but definitely that's just on the product side but at least for the brand i love to be able to work with a lot more people i have a bunch of photographers that i've met at a bunch of events and networking things that I'd love to work with. I want to be able to connect with them and see their eye on things because I think I'm at the point where not that I've reached my peak, but there's different ideas that I think that I'm not seeing that someone else might be seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be able to work with them and and give them that opportunity to work with me. And then being able to get a, as you can see, a bigger space. Yeah. I need more space and I love my little studio space I have but um it's getting annoying I back up and I hit my water bottles I go to left and I have nine nine samples over here um I have four boxes of 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 stuff that is you know old and it needs to be donated and I want to be able to have a much better space for creatives as well as the brand to exist people can collaborate we can make music in there we can uh, do podcasts in there. We can have a retail store um, and going from there. So for someone who is out there listening to this, who has an idea that's a little unconventional or off the beaten path, um, but they really believe in the idea, like what is, what's some advice that you would give to them? I would definitely say find the correct place to test it. Like, like you still have to this is what's I've learned my marketing stuff. You have to, you know, the three P's people, place, product and price. Like you have to be able to put it in a place where you think it'll work. Like don't just throw it out there. And then, you know, let's, let's say it's a song like, uh, this is not going to work. Um, just be able to test it in places that you feel it will be, you know, successful. I'll say two, being able to get yourself mentally like, okay, I need to be able to be thorough and and make sure it's refined and everything's put together. And then I guess my last piece is just don't be scared. Just you, you got to take the mask off and just go because you're 
your being scared is someone else's, I just got started. So mm. the more times you're like holding on to it, not letting it, the world interpret it, um, is, is what's going to hold you back. If there is an idea, people are going to interpret it weirdly because they don't know what it is. Yeah. You have to give them time to learn about it and give them time to feel connected to it. It's not going to come like that out the gate, but just don't be nervous because some person that was, you know, 60 years old, they're like, I wish I could have did this. You could mm. do it at your time. Be like, I'm glad I did it and go from there. Thank you so much for joining the show today. No, this is awesome. Um, I, before I let you go, though, I want to play a rapid fire game with you, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's go. All right. It's quick, though. I'm ready. I'm, okay. I'm... <laughs> you ready? Yeah, let's just just do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's been your favorite year so far? Um, 2019. That was my favorite one because that's when I felt that I really took the the time to one, the business and two, um, I felt that's when I was a real adult. I feel like I wasn't out of college anymore. I was, I was, I was a man now. So I can agree <laughs> with that. I felt like 2019 was like for better or for worse. That was like when I was like, oh, I'm a grown up now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta who, love it. who is your hero? Mm, I definitely would say. I have a bunch of heroes, but I definitely would say a lot of my friends are my heroes. Um, I love being to watch them grow and and become adults and chase their dreams and live life and buy houses and have kids and get married and stuff. Um, that's like my close hero. I think one of my idolized heroes was Virgil Abloh, rest in peace. Um, what he was able to do with a lot of product and make a name out of himself because he had the leverage of like having that Kanye West and Jay-Z. Um, his stuff's still living on. So that's dope. I hope when I pass on, people think I'm cool and uh they listen to a bright idea when I'm dead. <laughs> Dream person to collab with. Mm, I think it would have to be geez. I think it would have to be DJ Clark Kent. He he's a real sneaker guy, and I'd love to get approval from him on a shoe mm -hmm. um and then also Salehi Bembry I'm wearing his Crocs now I think he's just dope what he's done with such an iconic silhouette and these Crocs are sick and I wait let me see them real quick they're the they're the weird colorway a lot of people get the blue or the gray I got the freaking Grinch ones oh wow so, I love these <laughs> that like is a fingerprint yeah that is sick. quite the silhouette. Yeah. You went crazy with these. Like, Dope. On. A song you have on repeat. Uh, Right now, Tried Our Best by Drake. <laughs> did you I like the, did you like the new album? I liked it. You know, they said he rapped young. I like Lil Yachty. It was dope to me. I ran to the whole album on Saturday. So Tried See, Our Best is my favorite one. I definitely think it's a, it's like a, a running. I can run to it. I had to yeah. like, I had to, I have to listen to it a few more times. Yeah, it's 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 definitely it's grown on to me, but for some reason, see, tried our best is only my favorite because I had the original leaked song from a TikTok video, and wow. now I don't have to keep playing this video. I have it on, you know, Apple Music, so <laughs> it's my favorite one right now. That or what would Pluto do? I like that one too. Okay, <laughs> uh, describe your style in one word. 
Mm, subtle. I'm like a um, subtle flex if I can hyphenate it. A subtle flex. That's what I would put. Like subtle with like a little a little logo, so you can be like, "Oh, I'm wearing this, but like I'm chill." Yeah, like I okay. could wear like with my ASIC stuff. Like people hated on me on the dad shoe wave, mm-hmm. but I love the dad shoe wave, and it's like, oh yeah, nah, I have dad shoes that were walked in London Fashion Week, so let's let's keep going from there. And some of these boxes, like yeah, I got a Melion door couple of new balances some awake new york uh these are these are gifted i did not pay for these so <laughs> a I, like, trendsetter. I like i like, I like flexing that stuff <laughs> uh real quick because we're running out of time what is the cringiest thing you did as a teenager um i think it definitely was the tight pants i i'm sick of the tight pants i don't know why i invested in skinny jeans um <laughs> i love everything extremely baggy now i would never do that again <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. It was cool. it was a it was a time. It was, uh, but I I don't want to look at it, and I hate looking at it. I'm like, why? I, I'm I'm a size 36 waist, and I'm wearing a size 29 waist jeans. This is not my style. <laughs> I should not have done this. And cutting off circulation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, do you have any secret talents? Um, I feel like a lot of people told me I'm, I have really good music stuff. Um, because I do make songs sometimes with my little microphone. So I guess that's hidden. I have a whole bunch of songs on the internet. I don't but go do you, by my you do you sing? Do you rap? Do you what? I do I like singing. I like okay. making my you do my have the voice songs. for it. If you weren't like, yeah, I mean, you could be on radio, you could be like you definitely have the voice for like music. I've got songs, they're on the internet, they're not under my name. So whoever finds them, have fun. They're they're living on the I have like 30 songs living on the internet. So if you can find my whole mixtapes and everything, but <laughs> that's that's for people to discover they're hidden in the website on the d17 website they're hidden in there so if people can find them go for oh it. my god now you'll have a whole fan base um <laughs> where can people find you um i'm everywhere d17 terrence.com instagram twitter you know reach out to me on there that's probably the best it's all just d17 terrence that's my that's my great thing i was able to grab all those handles so everything is safe so I love that thank you Terrence that's it for this week's episode of A Bright Idea tune in each week as we interview entrepreneurs to find out the aha moment that launched their businesses today's episode featured Terrence Diggs founder of D17 Clothing you can support D17 by going to their website at d17clothing.com or by following them on social media at d17clothing We're building a community on A Bright Idea, so follow him on social media, give him a review, and tell all of your friends. Until next week, I'm Amber Key.